0: You're listening to to the Show We Go Baseball Podcast.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 20 of To The Show We Go featuring Ed Hand and myself, Andrew Parker. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to check out episode 19, we had uh, Salem's Salem Red Sox closer Jonathan Brand on. Very intense guy. Ed Ed nailed it. Pretty intense. Uh, Great guy though. Um, I I think you. I'm just gonna say it. He's a Southern AJ Politi. Um, He's very goes about his business. Um, Good episode though. Definitely check that one out. He was an eighth round pick last year. Um, Should be up in Greenville this next year. Um, So now. Before I introduce our next guest here, he's a guy that came on my radar last year. He's a UMass Lowell grad. He's from Connecticut. So I think we can consider Connecticut, New England. I don't know if we claim we might claim your half of Connecticut is New England. So let's just say. Um, But we have Nick Kuzia on the show. Nick, how did uh, 2023 go for you?
0: 2023 was a, uh, a rocky season. Pun intended. Um, there was there was some ups. There were some downs. Um, I think I I started very well. Um, had a, probably the best spring training that I've had. Um, so it was a good start. Um, and then midway through the season, kind of hit some bumps. Um, you know, tried to adjust to a few things. And I think I finished strong other than the, uh, the last outing in Portland that we won't talk about for the rest of my life. <laughs> so other than that, I think it was a – it was a, a strong finish and, and some good adjustments that I made, but I'm happy to to have made it through another full, healthy season, and just uh, uh, excited to get ready for the next one.
2: Yeah, it looked like you uh, you, you got quite a few saves in uh, in Hartford this season, and uh, that was it was. Before, like we even talk about what you did pitching, though like, you're from Connecticut, you pitched with with Hartford this year. Was that part of your decision with the Rockies, knowing that you'd be close
0: to home? So, I actually I got Rule Five, so it wasn't really my decision. Really? I got over there, yep, that was the for the, the second year in a row I got drafted into that Rule Five, um, and then got placed in Hartford out of spring training. So it was. I guess just a coincidence. Um, but it was nice to be, you know, close to home. I had a lot of friends and family come to games. Um, that was super cool. Everyone kind of knew I was the, the hometown guy. Um, so that was fun. Um, I, I never played close to home. The closest I'd been before that was Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the Midwest league. Um, and really no other than my parents or my wife had come to see, uh, any game so being able to be there and have those people be there to see me was was cool and I think they got to finally see like they got to see me in action so it's like okay this thing is you know it's real. he he actually plays it's not a it's not just a fantasy land like oh yeah he plays he plays baseball and then I I don't know what else he does Um, but it, it was yeah that was a good time
1: I should have uh, I should have introed with that Ed that he is a back to back Rule Five guy. Um, it's I remember talking with your your agent John about it and it was just like uh, you know you, you didn't get to pick to go to your hometown but it was kind of it, it was weird how that worked out I guess that you know if you were gonna spend another year in Double A it was gonna be in your hometown I guess so um, so I, I wanted to dive into um, I guess. You mentioned at the beginning, we're not going to talk about the last outing of the year, but your numbers were pretty good. There was a couple outings, obviously, and I've learned this past year that a couple bad outings in, in the minors and your numbers are inflated for the whole season. It's insane. Just our shout out to our guy, our mutual connection here, AJ Pleedy, which I have a question about him later. Um, but what was it like, I guess, just uh, going through the season and you're in a new org um you're close to home but you're trying to obviously earn that next promotion like what was the mindset i guess just like trying to settle in and get going
0: so i think it was i knew it was important um to to have a good start and it's you know it's important for everybody but especially being somebody in a new org like i'd already done that before um i kind of had a rough start to 22 and it was tough to get out of. Um, and I think it's tough to get out of that for anybody, but being new to the organization, they don't have any history on you. They don't have like, you know, we've seen this guy, he, he struggles sometimes, but then he's, you know, he picks it up. Like you don't have, you don't have that time. Um, so I think going into the season, I know I wanted to have a strong start. Um, and I, and I think I, I definitely did. So that was a pretty important part of my season. And I'm glad that all of my, off season preparation and everything that I, that I put into it had um, put me in that position to, to do well there. Um, I totally forgot what your question was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was pretty much just asking, I mean, obviously you kind of answered it a little bit cause it's like, you know, you, you went through this whole thing last year. So it's not like you're, you were new to the rule five thing. So I guess it was just like, you know, were you able to clear your mind and just get into the season and get in the groove, even though you had a, you know, I guess distractions per se, cause you were close to home. So you had friends, family in the area. And I guess like, was it hard to just settle in after everything the rule five and just
0: being close to home? I think it was easier being close to home. Um, just having that support system closer to you makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've done this for I don't know how many years being away from home and doing everything, so I know what to expect when coming into it. So it's kind of just a bonus um, being close to home and, and having those people there. But once you you go to spring training, you meet all the guys. You know who you're going to be with. You know you break your team. Uh, you get your roommates or whoever your road roommates and who your locker mate is for the year. You know for the for the time being, because you know there's a lot of switches. So um, it's pretty easy to settle in once you kind of everyone's got to get comfortable with where they are. Um, and I think sometimes guys may have come to me, just me knowing the area. Uh, cause you know, I grew up like 45 minutes from there. So guys were asking like, what's the, what's the best pizza place? What's, you know, where to go, where not to go. Is there anything to do around here? Where can I go? That's, you know, within Uber distance. Um, so it, I kind of, uh, you know, help some guys out on that if they came to me. Um, but those guys are all in the same situation that I am. I'm just a little closer to home, but we're still playing on the same field and everything. So there's there's no stress with that. You're just settling in like any other team. What would you tell them, though? Like, what's, what's fun to do in Connecticut?
2: Because I grew up in Boston or around Boston, spent a lot of time driving through Connecticut. But I haven't spent a lot of time in Connecticut proper. So, like, what is your – like, if, if someone's going to Connecticut, someone's going to Hartford for a
0: weekend, what are what are you telling them to do? I don't really think anyone's going to Hartford for a weekend. <laughs> that's probably not happening. Uh, most people do just drive through. Um, it, that's It's called the drive-through state, or at least that's what people around here call it. Um, but up here, I would say – The pizza and the ice cream are very good. The pizza is like all the options of a bad pizza place is still very good pizza. Like, I think that's what, that's what lacks when I go out to a place like Arizona or down to Florida, it's not the same. It's just not the same. They don't have, you know, the farms with the cows and they're squeezing the udders to get the ice cream They're It's whatever buyers or whatever store bought. Um, So there was a, I don't remember the name of the ice cream place. There, there's a bunch of them, but you're going to get, you're going to get good ice cream. You're going to get good pizza in terms of things to do. I'm, I got nothing. <laughs> like we went, we went floating on the river when it was uh, one of our days off and it was like drizzling, raining, kind of shitty to start. Um, but that was you know within a half hour of wherever we were staying. But like I said, people just drive through. It's not really known to, to have much. Like guys in the off days go, they go golf, they hang out in their rooms and play games or watch movies or I don't know. But there wasn't, uh, <laughs> there's not much, which is why I pretty much headed home every uh, every weekend and spend time here with the family. But there's people know me and they give me. They give me a little shit for not liking. You don't like your hometown state. You don't like. You don't even like your hometown. But it's like, no, nah, I don't like it. There's just, there's not. There's not a lot to do. <laughs> and I've yeah. to. I got out for college. I got out. Like, I go back to see friends and stuff. But in terms of things, there's not like, oh, there's a top golf down the street. There's a, I don't know. I can't even think of it. But now I'm just, <laughs> I'm, everyone's gonna give me shit for it. Uh, but that's so, that. not, you're just going to drive through.
1: Yeah. No, I, I've learned that from a uh, – I mean, I came here from Missouri, so I didn't really know anything about, like, the New England states, I guess, as a whole um, on, like, if um, – I don't – all right, Ed, Ed's back. I was like, okay. But um, all right, I want to dive into the next thing here. I want to ask a little bit about who's um, pitching. So it's your page. Um, and all right, so – Red Sox Twitter has been completely taken over like Red Sox social media by a a minor league pitcher in the name of Christopher Troy. And I've I've told you about him. I've kind of like I told him about you type thing. And Christopher Troy is doing something that you have been doing for the past year to as long as I followed you. You've been doing it Um, where you're just very open. You talk about your routines. You talk about what you do in a day. You talk about what you guys talk about in the bullpen. Like I've seen every single thread possible on Coos pitching. Uh, Christopher Troy is doing that. And for some, like is taken off in Boston. It's just like, Oh my gosh, like a minor leaguer is telling us all about his life, but you've been doing it for a lot longer. Um, how did Coos pitching start? Um, I know that's not like how, why it started, but just like, can you just like kind of talk about like why you started it? What, it, what your end goal is type thing. And um, obviously other than being a coach one day.
0: So I started it in COVID as many things started. It was like, I want to say in May, um, we got shut down, we got sent home, but I was still out in Arizona. Um, and I had a friend who ran a, like it was an Instagram page of just like sports highlights and stuff. Um, and he was, he was doing it for somebody else, but it was a way for them to make a little bit of money through advertising and whatnot. Um, so I was like, I'm going to try to do that. Why not? Like I need a, I need a job right now. I need to find a way to make some money. Like, I'm, you know, we had the COVID payment stuff, but I didn't, there was no job. We weren't playing. Um, and the last couple off seasons before that, I hadn't really, I hadn't done a job other than like some lessons here and there. Um, but there's, you know, for minor leaguers, there wasn't a huge amount of income in the off season. So I'm like, maybe I can create this into something that I can make money in the off season doing online coaching lessons whatever you know training kids so i did that um and i posted more coaching stuff nothing of me on the page really um if you scroll back like way back it's like videos of big leaguers and kind of like little breakdowns here and there Um, And it was more that and i think um it did really well and a lot of kids came to me because their facilities were closed because of covid Uh, they get thrown their backyard or at the park They could take video. They could send it to me. Um, So it did really well there. Um, And then after COVID kind of settled out, kids got back into the facilities and they didn't really need remote lessons anymore. Um, I still did some, but not as many. And then I turned it into more of a like personal blog, I guess, Um, for my training, what I do. I feel like I ran out of things to post about coaching without, just making the same exact post, So I'm like, this isn't really like, I don't have anything to put into it. So I don't really care as much about it, but I take a ton of video just for myself for throwing to, for me to look at. So I might as well just, I can post it and mm-hmm. then I'll have a history of it and I can see progress and other people can follow me if I want. And it would kind of hold myself accountable. So I started doing that and doing more uh, personal training videos. Um, like what I do, why I do it. Um, That was mostly on Instagram. And then, um, yeah, I started doing that. And then this year, I kind of wanted to get more like thought-based stuff out, which is why I kind of started more on Twitter. Um, I didn't really want to do that through Instagram. I was like, you know, visual learning is really good. I'm good at posting video. Like I know how to crop and edit it and all that. Um, But, Twitter would be, it's kind of a different, in my mind, it's a different market. It's more like Instagram I see is people follow accounts and they just scroll through and they're like, okay, that, yeah, that's a cool visual, like face value. What does it bring? But it, to me, it didn't seem like people were like reading the captions or not that I need them to read the captions, but like, I feel like I have more to offer than just video editing skills. And like, here's this drill that I do. Um, So... I started doing more stuff on Twitter and writing out things um, and I'd follow a couple, I just follow people and they put out good stuff. And I was like, that would be cool to, to be one of those guys that puts out good stuff and maybe down the road like things I write now may help me get a job doing something else, whether it's baseball or whatever, like it's a running resume, just like my Instagram is just like my Twitter is. So I think using it as almost like a running resume and kind of a journal, I guess, of, you know, the stories that I've, I've heard things that I've lived through, through baseball training, teammates, whatever, just anything cool that I think might be fun to share. Cause I've shared plenty of stories and guys seem interested in, in stories that I share and things that I've heard. And I had teammates this year ask me like, you know, what's the craziest thing you've, you've seen on the field, whatever, just like, stuff like that. Cause I was the old guy on our team. So I was a little seasoned and had, you know, time with other teams and other places. Um, so it kind of turned more into that. And now I'm leaning a little bit more into the, the Twitter game, I guess. Um, but now from the off season, I'm, I take tons of video and stuff. So it's a little bit, a little bit more on there. So I guess now it's, it's gone from like, okay, it's a coaching page to make money to kind of here's a running resume and like a blog that I'm kind of doing with my thoughts and my training. Um, And I I don't really make money off of it. I just post my stuff. Um, So it wasn't really what it was meant to be for, but I think this way it's more, more genuine and like, I actually care about the things I say or the the stuff that I post and not have it be uh, kind of just black and white and dull and just like, I'm trying to do this for the money now. Yeah.
2: Going, going a little further back, cause you're talking about, you know, like what stories you've heard, but I'm, I'm sort of curious. You're, you're an interesting story yourself. It's not exactly like New England is a, is a hotbed of, of baseball talent. And you went to UMass Lowell. I think Danny Mendick is the only player I recall coming out of there. Um, what, how did you start getting into, how, how did you get into baseball and how did you end up a, a pro player? Like what, 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 What was your journey there?
0: So the the quick version of my old days was like my my dad just started me up. I played soccer, basketball, baseball. Um, I played travel basketball up until I was 12, which is when I kind of saw that there was a lot of other kids better than me. And I didn't like it as much as baseball. And I did that in the summer. Um, And then I went to Cooperstown after I got invited after a fall game where I did well and some guy was there to see somebody else, um, invited me there and went to Cooperstown and it was awesome. And I was like, dude, I love baseball. And I told my dad, like, I want to play baseball next summer, not basketball. Like these kids are just passing me out. You know, they're getting taller, they're dunking and I'm a skinny little white kid (laughs) playing basketball at 12 years old, like this isn't it. So I told him I wanted to play baseball. Um, We played travel baseball up through you know through high school um high school i was committed to junior college i was a late bloomer i didn't throw very hard in high school and, you know your big summer's junior year and i was topping out at 77 i think um you can look up the perfect game profile it's still up there um, but i was it was basically all d3 offers um, i committed to the juco that my brother went to um Herkimer college. So he went there, we had a connection and the guy was like, yeah, you can come here and play. Like you're a good family. Your brother's a good person, good player. Like we'll take you. Like I, I believe in that. So I committed there. And then after the, the summer, after my senior year of high school um, between high school and college, I did a showcase. I was like 84, 86. Um, and the UNESCO pitching coach recruiting coordinator saw me there. He knew my brother from his recruiting so he knew the family a little bit um and he was like yeah we well you know we'll take a chance on you so i committed a month and a half before school started oh, wow um, whirlwind yeah that was a late wow. change. Um, and i will say my dad was right because i was mad i didn't have any d1 offers you know no matter how good or how not good i was um everyone wants to go to d1 and he was like you never know like there's rocker your crunches there's you know people drop out there's you know, things that happen that you know, it, it still could happen. I was like, Yeah, okay, okay, I'll you know, I'll go to JUCO. But it ended up happening and then uh, we got there and Pro Ball still wasn't really in sight. Um I freshman year I was just hoping to get innings. Um, which I, I ended up getting a lot of innings for a freshman. It was a very senior heavy team, but not on the pitching staff. So it was really young pitching staff, which gave me an opportunity, um and I won a spot. To I I got to start opening weekend and got a bunch of innings midweek. So that was a good opportunity. I got innings. It wasn't like I rode rode the bench, um, which I think is a huge thing for underclassmen, is to get innings and go somewhere where you're going to play. So that was really good. And then sophomore year, I got a little bit better. I think I hit 90 for my first time. It was the summer after freshman year. So it was in Long Island at like the pro day or whatever. And I think I hit 90 once or twice. Um, and then sophomore year, got a little bit better, got a new pitching coach after the fall. Um, and he brought in weighted balls, driveline stuff back when it was, you know, pretty new, but he was a young, uh, you know, a young guy looking to, to, to make a mark. And he brought that stuff in and guys started throwing harder. I started throwing harder. Um, and that's when I, you know, he kind of put in my head like, hey, man, pro ball's an option if you you, know, you put the time and, and the effort into it, which he didn't think was going to be a problem. Um, so so I did. And we did we did all the weighted ball stuff. And I, I jumped in VLO. There was, you know, scouts there to see other players. Um, I could be drafted as a sophomore, obviously, but um, having the scouts there and stuff is was cool. You know, like getting used to throwing in front of them. And then uh, junior year was the big year. And it wasn't the greatest of years. And even I look back and I'm like, damn, how did, how did I even get into pro ball after that year? Um, but it, it's which is weird because, you know, baseball is not really always about the performance there or any performance stats, really. Um, you know, there's other stuff. They saw projectability in me. So Padres gave me a shot and then uh, that's the road to pro ball.
2: So let me, before... I am I have one other thing that I need to ask you about there because you mentioned that Coach told you, hey, pro ball uh, might be an option. What's going through your head when he says that? Um, because I'm assuming that that's something that you dreamed about. But was it... What What's it like when that goes from being just a thought
0: to, like, an actual possibility? I think it was... I mean, it's freaking awesome if somebody tells you, hey, man, you can you can play this game and make some money. And, you know, that's going to be your job. And I was like, OK. And I I think I always like from that moment, I was like, OK, I'm I'm done with school. I want to put everything I can into baseball. Um, I I mean, my I had good grades the first semester. And I think every semester after that, it it, it went downhill <laughs> not that downhill, but you could see that my efforts were more in baseball than in class. And it like I wasn't a bad student, just not compared to what I was in high school. I was like strict. You know, I was the nerd, but I could also play low ball. Um, so being able to focus on that and like all I wanted to do was put everything I could into baseball. And after that, it was like, get me out of college, get me out of these classes, get me out of this, like everything. Let me just, let me have six months in the off season to prepare for an entire season. Like Usually, you know, you're, you're going through college. You don't have, you're at school doing their lifting program during the fall and then you go home and you have, you know, you do your winter stuff and then it's kind of broken up. You don't really get a whole block to pour everything into it and like, and get better. You know, I I can't get bigger and stronger if I got to go to class and I can't eat and then, you know, it's really hard. So, um, the biggest thing was just being able to put everything I could just into baseball. So, when he said, you know, there could be an opportunity like that, um, that was like, okay, like, let's go for this thing then. Um, And I think that's when I just started putting everything I could into, into baseball and basically just, I got to do school just to get through it. Like I got to do it to, to do it. Um, And I, I kind of, I think I treated myself as a pro before I got there. And that was a big, that was a big thing. Like I acted like somebody that I wanted to be, not, Okay, I have to, I have to be a college student and do baseball, and hopefully something will happen down the road. I'm just like, no, I have to put everything into baseball if that's what I want to do, and I have to act like a professional before I get there. And then when you get to pro ball, they tell you, if you want to be a big leaguer, you have to act like one now. You have to go about your business now. You have to take care of your off-season work, take care of your in-season work, treatment, nutrition, everything. Like, you have to act like a big leader before you get there so that it's not a shock when you get there. And I think, like, nobody told me to do that. I just, I guess, instinctively did that. And I think it it worked out for me in that sense that I was happy to get into pro ball and be able to, like, pour everything I could into it. And I think some other guys maybe – get a little intimidated that they have so much free time or so much like they're competing with other guys who also have. So acting like that before I got there was a huge step and it was an easy transition after that.
1: I'm going to go off the field for this next question. And I've asked a couple guys in the Red Sox system, this question, because they played in Lowell at one point when the spinners were a thing back in the day. Um, is there any, do you have any, I guess, crazy slash like horror stories from Lowell? Oh, uh,
0: crazy horror stories. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm old. It's been, uh, it's been a little while. I'm trying to think like, I don't have any, like, I guess crazy stories. It's, I mean, college as a whole is crazy. I guess you could say I, <laughs> I lived a little bit off campus, uh, sophomore and junior year, in the same house. And I walked down the street, and there was a like a empty used needle on the ground or something. Like I didn't think I had never. I don't know. I don't have a. It's crazy. Lowell is lol. Like you know, yeah, they'll they'll know what it means when you say like yeah yeah it's lol. I've been to Lowell. Like people, people just know that there's. There's some Lowell critters that are walking around, and I don't mean animals. They're they're people. Um, But, like, the college campus is good, Um, and the field is right on campus. I don't really – I mean, when Lowell – the spinners were there, we couldn't get into the field until they were out. So if they were in the playoffs, like, we weren't getting into the field until it was probably snowing late November – or early October. There was one fall we didn't, I don't think we got on the field at all. We practiced on the soccer turf across campus.
2: Oh, so I didn't realize that the, because I knew that the players with Lowell would stay in the dorms. I didn't realize that, um, like, you guys played in Le, uh, at the Le Letcher, though. That's like, I, I had no right, idea. Right, on, right next
0: to all the, the dorm rooms is, was the, the field. Yeah.
2: I miss that stadium a lot. I, like, as a kid going, going, Spinner's games was the absolute best. That's that's amazing that you actually got to play on the field there. That was a big draw going
0: there, yeah. And I got to see it in the summer mid-spinner season when it was taken care of and everything when I took my my visit. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna go play here.
1: Ed, what do you uh,
0: what do you got?
2: Were you more of a Red Sox? Are you are you from the Red Sox part of Connecticut or the
0: Yankee part of Connecticut? It's okay. But i You're from the Yankee part. I, I grew up a Red Sox fan, except for a slight. I started as a Yankee fan before I even knew what the hell was what. <laughs> like my dad was at it. We were at a stadium, and my dad was like, "Oh, you want a hat? Yeah." And I pointed to the Yankees one, and he's like, "All right, fine." But I don't even remember doing that, so I don't think it really counts. And then, I guess a couple of years later, I transitioned, and <laughs> yeah, I grew up a I grew up a Red Sox fan. But I'm in the Yankee part, so a couple of my friends. I have more Yankee friends than. Then talk i,
1: I want to ask because i mentioned this earlier in the episode and um you know we we have a mutual connection mr aj Politi. um which by the way after spending an entire season with the guy i was terrified of him on um media day and opening day in worcester um and i don't know why because he just went around went about his business and he was just very under the radar very quiet He's so soft spoken Yeah, and I don't know why he was just very intimidating. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to like put a phone in his face and like record him. Like, I don't know if that's the guy I want to do it because I just didn't know like if he was gonna like be like, why are you doing this type thing? But he ended up being an amazing guy. Um, but we both agreed on something on you that you, hands down, are going to, if you are want to be, you will be a coach one day. Is that something it? that you see yourself in the future just being a coach?
0: I've thought about it. Obviously I want to, I'm going to finish my playing career as as long as I can, but if it, if it ended tomorrow or if it ended 10 years later, like there's something else to do after that. Um, and I'd be lying if I said, I, I wasn't thinking about what it would be like being a coach or working in a front office or, you know, college professional, probably not high school. Um, I think, I think, coaching is like just a natural path for players after they're done. Um, my brother's in the, the, the similar path right now, um, so I guess yeah, I could be a coach. But then, like, I get home for the off season, and I have lessons, and I'm like, I'm coaching high school kids or you know, ten year olds, whoever signing up for lessons or, or whatever, um, and I'm like. Okay, I kind of like coaching, but I really love playing. <laughs> like there's there there's nothing that matches that. So I don't I don't know how much thought I could put into that. Um I don't know how much thought I can put into it right now knowing that I'm still playing, but
1: um, I just meant like post playing career. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, but I, trust it. me, I
0: thought about this a lot and like is coaching, oh, okay. is coaching really it? Like or, or, like, for me, it would be, like, would I just would I be that salty coach that's like, dude, I wish I was still playing, or, like, I was so much betting. I don't think I would say that, but, uh, <laughs> like, the game is so much, you know, it's changed so much, or just, just be that salty coach that kind of wishes he was still playing, or I, I don't know how to put it into words, but um, I just think I don't, like when I do lessons at home, I don't love it as much as when I play. So I feel like I want to do something that I'm in love with doing. And right now that's playing. And maybe after I'm done playing that will be coaching and it will be like, dude, I want to help. I want to help kids. I want to help 10 year olds. I want to help college kids. I want to help, you know, guys in pro ball. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to. And I think there's, then I also think like, do I really want to get a desk job? Do I want to, like wake up and do my hair and wear a suit and go to some office that I hate. Like or maybe I like the office and like the people. I don't know. Like where do I go? What am I gonna do after baseball? I don't know. I could coach, I could just go get a regular job. I could try to start a business. I could I have no idea. But again that's that goes back to the coup's pitching thing is like I feel like that's a running resume and like a just like a, a journal of like okay here's what I have to offer. Here's a here's a, you know, here's inside my mind. This is how I think this is the things I've been through. This is, you know, my, my history of what I've done, what I've done training, like all that stuff. So I think, I think coaching is definitely in the books. Um, but I would definitely want to, to be fully invested in that. Maybe that's why I don't like lessons in coaching right now, because what I really want to do is be coaching myself or, you know, working out myself. But if that was done, then maybe I would be able to pour everything into that. Like, just like in college, like I, I didn't stop going to class, but I, I put all of my thought and like, I was in class thinking about baseball, researching baseball, like doing all that stuff. So maybe, maybe that mindset will change. And I think that's something that I would look forward to is hoping that that mindset would change with something else. You know what's cool, though, is
2: that right now you don't have to change that mindset. You've got an offseason going on right now, and, you know, hopefully you're coming back in 2024 better than ever. I do have a baseball question for you, though, because people talk a lot about that closer mentality and being able to go into the ninth inning and not get rattled. Do you – you've had 10 saves last year. You've had you've had plenty of time closing out games. Do you, is your mentality in the ninth inning in a one-run game that different from your mentality in like the seventh inning in a one-one-run
0: game, and how if if that is, if it is how so? Um, I think, and this could this could be a fault of mine and why maybe I perform better in ninth inning situations than others, um, which I again have thought about. Um, but when you're in the ninth inning of a one-run game or a tie game. Like there's no, there's no, not that you would want the offense to pick you up because if you give up runs, that's, those are your runs. That's your performance. Um, but the, it, it is more intense. Like the fans are in it more. The, the players want it just a little bit more, um, both sides. Um, so there is a little bit different mentality. And I think, so I started off closing this year, um, for for my team in Double A, um, and then I had a couple rough outings. Another guy took over, um, and then throughout the rest of the year, I was kind of on and off as the closer, um, kind of depending who the hot hand was, um, what guys we had. You know, we traded for a couple guys, had some guys sent down or moved up or whatever. So early on, it was just me, and then it had kind of bumped up and down, and you can kind of see like guys would do really well in the, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh inning. Um, and then they're on a hot streak and then maybe they get an opportunity in the ninth inning and, you know, their first opportunity, they don't do well. They blow the save or, you know, give up a run and whatever. And you can see the pressure kind of get to them. And um, it, I mean, it's, it's gotten everybody before, like I'm not knocking anyone else. Um, but there, there is a little bit different mentality of, of going in there in the ninth inning. Um, But I think the guys that are really good are the ones that can bring that mentality into, into the seventh inning. Like if you've done, if you've gotten a save, if you've been in that mentality before, you you've been pretty much at the, the highest intensity. So if you can bring that intensity to the eighth inning or the seventh inning or the sixth inning, like whenever you're in, it could be the second inning and you're the long relief guy. Like you need to treat innings two, three and four. Like it's the ninth inning each time not your game plan is going to change based on the situation and all that stuff. Um, but the same mentality is needed. And I think, um, you know, some guys who haven't closed out a game or haven't been in a a tight game, the ninth inning, um, that's a little bit higher. So it might get to them, but if you've been in that situation and then you can raise every other situation into that level of intensity, then you can, you can have a little bit more success. And I think that's what, um, My pitching coach in college um, had talked to me about in pro ball while I was in pro ball. um, You know, I was still talking to him and he was like, you know, you've been in the ninth inning, you've closed, like just treat the seventh inning like the ninth inning. It's it's no different. Just make it, you know, make it that intense, make it important to you. Um, I think that was that was a big step forward. And I had you know, then closing games was like the fun part. Like I go in for a save and those are the fun ones. Like those are the actual real ones that you're saving the game, you're in late. And, you know, the ones you go in in the seventh inning, you got to kind of trick your mind into thinking like I'm going in for the save. And then, you know, you're done for the day. Cool. You did one inning and there's two more innings. Like, yeah. That's what it is. But if, if you can bring yourself into, into that mindset in the sixth or the seventh, um, it, it makes it more fun. And then when you actually get the ninth, and it's it's real fun
2: yeah, gotta make that uh the hold mentality and the save mentality the same thing i guess um i've gotta run right now i just have to say though like it's been an absolute pleasure um gonna be rooting for you all season and yeah just best of luck and thank you so much for for coming on yeah Thank you. Nice to meet you. You're, you're, st-
1: you're yeah. stealing my lines, man, for the end, but um, you go do your thing. And I got two questions left for you uh, before we wrap up here. Do you have Rule Five on your mind this off season? Uh,
0: no. I'm so I'm a I'm a free agent after the World Series is done. So okay, require, like it's not not been done. This guy worked out with Nick Birdie was Rule Five on a free agent minor league contract last year. Um, and Politi was. So us three at the same facility, we're all part of the <laughs> rule five. Um, but he was on a minor league contract and he got rule five. Um, so it's not impossible. Um,
1: but yeah. I'm, well, so then that changes it then. So um, is this, you're hitting free agency. So what, what is it like? I guess if you, what's the mindset I guess going into it that you have no idea where you're going to be in February for spring training comes around. Like, how is that? Like, I guess, how are you prepping for the season? Is it a different mindset just because you just don't know where you're going?
0: Yeah, it's, it's same old for, you know, my off season training plan. I'm going to go through my normal off season routine and plan as if I have a job, um, you know, maybe get ready a little bit earlier. Um, I have to you know throw for showcase or whatever um, but definitely be ready and be willing to show scouts and teams and coaches and whatever that I'm ready to go not that I'm not every other offseason but um, this one is especially important because I do need a job um, so mentally I'm I know it could come down to you know a last second thing it could come down to you know the day before spring training or it could it could come tomorrow. It but there's there's no sense, I guess, overthinking about it and worrying about it every day like is today gonna be the day because chances are it's it's probably not gonna be the day and it, it may take longer than what I think or it may take shorter. So I mean it's if it's gonna be a crapshoot, I'm just gonna go through my training and kind of do what do what any other guy would do. And it's it's kinda like getting recruited for college or, you know, scouted for Pro Ball while you're pitching in college like you just go through you do your stuff you play you know I won't won't be able to play but I'm doing my off-season training and I'll be I'm trying to find a job so I'm just going to go about my business and then you know whatever comes of it comes of it and that's kind of the only way you can go about it.
1: I'm. You have a good one a good agent in John I uh, love that guy and um, I I was just talking about about him with Chase and um, you know he's he's down, he's hard on himself. He's, he's hard on himself all the time. And I don't know why, um, but he's good. He's good at what he does. And uh, every time I get to see him, it's, it's always a good time. So I'm happy that, uh, that he's the guy representing you. I feel like he's going to find you something. Um, but here's one of my last baseball questions here. So, um, do you have any, so obviously like, you know, when we talk to some guys, like, you know, they have a team that gives them like, Hey, like, we just talked with Jonathan Brand. He was drafted last year, so he's still early on in his uh, in his career. But the the Red Sox gave him, you know, they, they're on, like, a velo program and all that stuff. Uh, do you have anything like that that you're um, – do you have, like, goals in mind that you want to set for next year? Like, do you have a certain weight you want to be at? Do you have uh, certain goals that you want to check off before spring training, no matter what team it is?
0: Yeah, I think my, my personal goal, I, I set – I set a body weight pretty much every offseason. last year. I think I set 220 and I got to it and then ended up losing like five pounds on my road trip to Arizona. So it was kind of a wash <laughs> for like six to eight weeks of work right there. Um, but I'd, I'd like to get back to that. Um, you know, like 220 area um, just for body weight. Um, that shouldn't be a problem as long as I eat. My strength program is good. And then my, my whole routine, it's it's really just eating. Eating is like a, it feels like a chore for me. Um, but I'll eat, but I suck at cooking. So everything I make tastes like shit. So <laughs> I Yeah,
1: I, I feel you. 100%. Part of that
0: um, some other things I think I posted about on my Twitter. Um, usually toward the end of the year, I'll start thinking about this and, and write it down, like kind of reflect on the season and what I want to do better. Um, and one of those is improve um, control my slider. I think I lost it a little bit um, in the last year or two. Uh, it was very good in 2021. Um, I, I threw it, you know, low glove side a lot. The command was there. Um, and since then, I think it's kind of been lost a little bit. So I want to get back to that. Um, and I'm going to do I'm not sure if I posted already. I kind of did like a little, a little dive in about how I'm going to do that. Um, but it's Uh, basically randomized training, but that's a, that could be a whole nother conversation. Um, So improve my slider, always, always improve VLO. That's a big thing, which comes from, you know, increasing body weight strength. Um, But uh, I think my throwing my, like my off season throwing routine is pretty good. Um, Just, you know, fixing a couple mechanical things here and there, um, which I'm obviously posting about sharing. Um, So, you know, fixing a couple of those things, um, should help with the velo and uh, there was something else. Oh, see, big, a big part of, everyone says it like baseball's a mental game. And like people, people don't really talk about mental training, I guess. Um, maybe because they don't know how, or it's soft. Like I always thought like, you know, mental training is dumb. If you prepare physically and put all your effort into everything, you should be confident, uh, which I still believe in that. Um, and I think mental training gets a little bit from that, but also like you have to put a little bit of time into it. Um, I'm not saying I'm a master at it at all. I've never done any like focused on it at all. Like, yeah, how are you going to get your mentality better? I don't know. I'm trying something, but uh, I don't, I don't know if anybody knows, but, um, basically before every workout, um, I do like whatever three to five minutes of breathing Um, and I'm, I'm trying that out. I don't know if it's going to work, but if I'm, if I do it every single day and then, you know, I get out of the mound and it's June 21st and I'm in the game Mm -hmm. and I do something breathing that, you know, lowers my heart rate or helps me get through a batter or something, then I'd say it's worth it. Um, So I definitely think like the physical preparation allows you to have that confidence and that, like I'm better than this guy, no matter what his status is, bonus, position, level, age, whatever, all that, um, and that plays a huge part into how you're going to attack hitters, and that's going to be one side that I'm looking to improve is a little bit of the mental side and more of a like a longer-term confidence thing and something to fall back on in game if you know I threw six balls in a row, like how am I going to get out of this? I'm not going to think, "Oh, I just need to take a deep breath and then it'll work." Like that's not that's but I think that's what people think when they're like, "Oh, you do your breathing work and it'll help you." It's not it's not as black and white as that, but it, at least if it's, you know, if it's a little bit of a routine that it takes 3 to 5 minutes of my day, like studies have shown that it it works, it helps like it reduces stress, anxiety, all that, like if that could help me a little bit, in the game or throughout a season or to get through a lift in the season, anything like I'll take it. So that's something else I'm kind of adding in and I may throw it out. I don't know yet, but I'm going to give it a shot um, and, and do that. And I may have a, another goal that comes up, but for right now, I think that's kind of it.
1: I think you forgot plyo drills. I'm hoping, um, I thought you were going to throw that in there as well. I've seen a ton of
0: tweets about it. I said that right, correct? Yeah, plyo drill There's they're okay. plyo balls, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just yeah. part of my, my warm-up or my throwing like drill stuff that I do.
1: It yeah. is cool that your town added a wall for you, uh, your own
0: wall there. <laughs> that was, that was, was a good one. Handball wall. I don't know what kind of wall it is, but it's turf. It's for, up. It's for soccer back in the day. Or so- Yeah, I don't know, but it's they have lacrosse things over there, so maybe that's what it's for, but it's it's turf around it, and while it's nice out, I'm going to use it. and it as my wall, but I'll take it. It's right down the road instead of having to drive so far to go to the facility.
1: I'm pretty sure they they built it originally for soccer. I just seeing that because I had one in my hometown and it was one of those like wall balls. You could kick a soccer ball off. It comes back at you. Or if you have a friend on the other side, you can kick it over. I mean,
0: it's uh, I don't know. It's, but it's, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll take it though. All right. I got, I got one last question for you because I forgot to ask you this earlier and it's been a hot topic on this podcast. I've asked every single person we've had on here and I've asked a lot of food questions too, but, um, this one's been the most, like, I don't know. It's been the most debated just because I've interviewed guys from all over the country at this point, but let's see what you're a Northeastern guy, So I don't know, like you're, you're, born up here. You played up here this past year. I mean, I know you played other places, so let's just see what you say. I need your go-to fried chicken fast food place. Chick-fil-A. And wh- why? Or Actually, here's my follow-up question. Do you get Chick-fil-A sauce?
0: Yes. I have it in my refrigerator downstairs.
1: I don't... You know this guy, so I'm going to tell you. Um, Chase Zaleski judged me for if I get Chick-fil-A, I get Chick-fil-A sauce. He said, who does that? Who gets their sauce? I'm like, it's the whole, whole point of going.
0: You're a creep if you don't get that sauce. No, I can't say that because my wife gets barbecue. Um, yeah, he gets uh, – I forgot plain, which one he got. Hands down. I started with honey mustard. I will say that. My first sandwich ever, I got plain, and then next one I got honey mustard. But then I, once I got Chick-fil-A, I didn't really need anything else. And I will – I'm a signature member, so maybe it's a a little oh. bias, but uh, we we have a Raising Canes actually coming close to home here. Um, I would say that's, but I don't know if you can compare those because it's like okay, that's chicken fingers. That's more of like Raising Canes or Zaxby's than Chick. fil Like Chick fil A is worlds above Popeyes. I don't care what anybody says. I'm with you, and I will. I'll take that to the grave, and I argue with my strength coach about that all the time. Um, but. Yeah, that's not even the, that was too easy of a question.
1: Well, it's you know I agree with you to an extent, but it's like Zaxby's was the right answer. I don't know if you ever had Zaxby's before. I have. and
0: It's not the right answer.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. Keynes uh, has been probably the number one answer I've gotten just because I've interviewed a lot of guys from the South. I guess Keynes is just all over the place, um, which I love. Keynes. Don't get me wrong, but Chase Zaleski, man, I'm telling you, he. Told me that if I get the Chick fil A sauce, I'm not doing it right. He's like, You get the Polynesian every time, but I'm like, Man, dude, it wouldn't be their signature sauce. Like, why Why not get that? You know what I'm saying? It's like,
0: it's bizarre, All their man. Are very good, though. You really can't. Get I that. agree, but you got to get the Chick fil A
1: sauce, man. It's like, it's their sauce. It's like, you got to get it. It's like, why get a burger if there's a house burger sauce on it? You'd be like, I don't want that. Like, yeah. you want it, makes it. So, did but he say
0: Chick fil
1: A? He did. He said Cane's only because I think he's a two lane guy. So I think, uh, he may have actually been, he, I think he was one, a one B type thing where he's like, he ate a lot of canes at two lane, but then he was a Chick-fil-A guy growing up. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. I've had a lot of different, that's usually my go-to wherever I am. is like, is there fried chicken or, you know, chicken's the easy, easy default. So I've had like Church's Chicken, Zaxby's, canes, Chick-fil-A, um, there's another one that's like Zaxby's. I can't think of it. Uh, Wait,
1: Bojangles?
0: I don't think I've ever had Bojangles. That a that Carolina thing. <laughs> <laughs> Popeyes. Oh. Um, shit, like road trips and everything is like, where's the fried chicken? Oh, I've well, had plenty of them, and I've had like off-brand ones too, and... Chick Fil A through and through. I think everybody knows that. Like it's in my bio on my social media. I think I'm, <laughs> it's a pretty, really, easy, it's a pretty easy. Yeah, it just says like sig- Chick Fil A signature member, which I'm about to lose this year because I didn't spend enough. But uh, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be back to red member. Not that the perks are great, but I just had, uh, I had like eight thousand points banked a couple weeks. I ago. guess I shouldn't
1: have asked you that question. I didn't realize that you were so deep into that. I did just put in my bio, by the way, I'm uh, a couple days ago that Zaxby's is the premier chicken place because I'm tired of the hate on it, but um, you've never had it.
0: Better, though. I've had Zaxby's and Cane's is better. And it's the same, it's the same family. Come on, man. It's, it's not, I mean, it's
1: Zaxby's is just a whole other ball game, man. It's just like down in the South. It's different. I got a chicken express the other day. Some, uh, it's a, Texas, Arkansas, and like Louisiana chain, I think, um, that somebody said te- chicken express was the best fried chicken place, which I don't know. I got to try that one next. So I got to go to Texas at some point, but Nick, uh, 52 minutes of your time, man. I appreciate it. I, I know Ed does too. He had to hop off obviously, but, uh, thank you for coming on. Obviously it's, uh, we do this every year now and, uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do it during the season cause you got a million other things you got to do, but, um, I'm curious though, wherever you uh, decide to end up,
0: um, definitely going to be pulling for you. So thank you for joining. Appreciate it. I love coming on here. I'll talk about this stuff all day. So you can, <laughs> I'll do it during season, before, whenever you let me know. And uh, as long as we got we got some different questions or different leadways, we're uh, <laughs> we're good to go.
1: Well, man, I uh, I appreciate it, and uh, stay
0: on after I hit this uh, end recording button. But it's been a pleasure. So until uh, next.